0: Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Enger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, Larry Carlson and Elijah Haynes join us in honor of White Cane Safety Day to discuss adjustment to the white cane. Welcome to the show, both of you. How's it going?
1: Great. Great, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, so glad you both could be here. White Cane Safety Day. It's been around for quite some time. Sometimes there are conversations about the White cane that just aren't had maybe as often as they should be. Why don't we let the audience get to know you both just a bit? So, Elijah, uh, we'll start with you. Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, my name is Elijah Haynes, and uh, I'm up here in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, working at the Alaska Center for the Blind, Visually Impaired. And I am a certified orientation and mobility specialist um, and a certified low vision uh, therapist as well, um, and I do the rural outreach travel here at the center as well. So um, yeah, enjoying exploring Alaska and, and um, getting around it and definitely uh, teaching cane travel in all sorts of conditions. Lots of snow sometimes, you can imagine, and here in town as well.
0: And even Moose, we were talking about that just before we started recording. So you never know what you're going to get in Alaska. That's fantastic. Larry, how about you? Tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Married my high school sweetheart uh, in 1981, moved to Las Vegas, went through an electrical apprentice program, hired on with the city of Las Vegas. And I was a traffic signal technician until 2015 when I had cataract surgery. The surgery was in December of 2015. In February of 2016, my retina detached and tore in multiple places. I've had issues with my eyes ever since. It was sent to Dieter. They wanted to know why we didn't have audible PED buttons because they're also the uh, Bureau for the Blind and Low Vision. While I was there, I walked into that fire hydrant that's right in the middle of the sidewalk. And while I was bent over trying not to speak in French, my partner just ratted me out. Oh, he falls, ever since the surgery, he falls over everything. I mean, it was obvious that I've got a problem and, you know, I probably need some help. A week later, I was ordered to report to Dieter officially by the city. That's when they uh, broached the cane of an ID cane initially. And I said, no, I don't need a cane. Those are for blind people. She said, "Uh, you're really blind in the one eye and you're wearing a Dixie cup because you have no peripheral vision there. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, but I can still see out of the left eye. And she says, yeah, how far? And I was like, kind of. And needless to say, in 2017, they took my driving privileges from me. And so at that time, I became unpromotable. So I was like, well, if I'm not promotable, let's retire. So I retired and I've been retired ever since. And, you know, I waffled a lot on that, that cane thing for a long time before I finally just said, you know, it's, I'm tired of falling.
0: Yeah. And that's fairly common thing, I think, uh, just that adjustment. And it's one of those things that people just have a difficult time with. It's not always this quick transition of, yay, I get to use a cane now. And so there are probably some misconceptions, some myths about the cane that are out there. Elijah, do you know of any, are there, are there things that your clients sort of misunderstand about the cane?
1: Definitely. Uh, you know, I think one of the primary things is that some people don't see it as a tool that you're actively using. A lot of people think you sort of just passively hold it and then, and then you know, wander around it and hopefully it it will catch things in your way. But, you know, when they realize that there's, no, there's techniques and there's subtleties to the grip and how you're holding it and adjusting it in different types of canes, it's so much more involved on the part of the cane user than I think a lot of people realize um, in the beginning. I think, too, like, Larry, your story is so classic that, you know, big misconception is that a cane is only for people who have no light perception, right, or are, are totally blind, people might say, and not realizing that most cane users have some vision left and a wide variety of vision, you know, some people might need it just in certain conditions and in certain environments it can be a useful tool for a lot more people than I think people first initially think when they think of maybe the stereotype of a long white cane.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And uh, even at Hadley, we hear that a lot. Larry, what about you? Aside from that big misconception, did you have any other thoughts about the cane that just turned out not to be accurate?
2: Besides the, I'm not blind, I'm just legally blind. What I found was that less and less people seem to know what the white cane means. I've, I've run into that a lot. You know, it's like, hey, you can't have that in here. And it's like, uh, what do you mean I can't have that in here? Without it, I'm going to trip over things and I'm going to fall because I'm not going to, you know, if I'm looking forward, I can't see anything below my waist. So that's a real problem. I mean, you know, people don't seem to understand that for me, it, it really is a tool. I mean, I can tell and, you know, like I can tell when I, when I step off the sidewalk and I'm on asphalt When I'm on grass, when I'm on dirt, you know, it tells me what kind of environment I'm on, you know, with, with my, you know, where I'm at. And I can tell when I'm stepping in, got that odd stuff called water, you know, being in Las Vegas, we don't have a lot of
0: that. I mentioned earlier that there's this adjustment phase and Larry, you've, you've touched on that a bit already. So it's not just the adjustment on the part of the person using the cane, but also maybe friends and family, you get into a certain dynamic and then you introduce the cane and that changes things to some degree. Elijah, can you speak about that first? How does this go with your clients? What are some common things that you hear about as people adjust to using the cane?
1: I think people have so many different reactions. And for me as a specialist, it's really important to get to know the client as best I can, get to know their family environment, um, the background they come from, uh, what type of community they live in, whether it's a a bigger town or a really small town or or village, that really determines how comfortable they might feel using a cane. And some friends and family members are a lot more uh, proactive about the cane use than the individual themselves because maybe they've seen them trip and fall or they're having to assist them quite a bit. And so they might be kind of relieved, like, yes, please, you know, give them a cane and, and teach them how to, how to be safe. Other times the cane might be a bit of a disruptor in that caregiver role that's been established. You know, the family or friend that's always there to offer their arm and, and walk with them and, and guide them around, all of a sudden this cane sometimes is seen as a, a replacement for that kind of interrupting that dynamic in, in a friendship or whatever it is. And so that can lead to some resistance because then that person feels like they won't be needed anymore or that the, the, the cane user can just go anywhere they want now. And so they, they won't be with that person as much. Some people can confuse maybe being independent with being alone. I've seen those, those two extremes of family being very proactive and, and thanking me for giving them a cane and then resistance and some people saying, oh,
2: I, I don't
1: think they need that yet. So I, I just try to to introduce it in slow steps for people. People initially say they don't want a cane. I at least hand it to them so they can feel it, feel the weight of it. It's always a lot lighter than they think. They can feel the different tips on it and they can walk a few steps with it. And, and if they hand it back to me and say, no, thanks, that's all right. At least they've tried it. And so they know a little bit more about it than when they first uh, came to me.
0: I like the way you put that in terms of allowing the person themselves to make the decision because you can't force that. You can hand it to them, let them experience it, but ultimately it has to be that person's decision to accept the cane. And Larry, I know that you were pretty hesitant initially. So how was that for you? What ultimately led you to decide, yeah, this, this cane is pretty cool. And then your family members, uh, what was their role in your journey toward acceptance of the cane?
2: You know, I mean, I was off and on with it for probably about a year. You know, I would use it and I would, you know, I'd walk and I wouldn't fall. I wouldn't use it, you know, on a five mile walk and I'd come back and my pants are ripped and, you know, the knees are bleeding somewhere, you know, scrapes on the hands and my wife would be, what happened? And she's like, no, you really should consider that cane. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for it. And then I took that hike at Red Rock. It was just a one mile out and back. And I saw these blobs coming at me, you know, cause that's how I see people until you get within probably a foot or two, you know, you're just a blob. And I stepped off the trail, and the only thing I really remember is that I was flat on my back. I know somebody pushed me because I didn't fall. My son was right there, and he said, Dad, you stepped off the trail and fell. I got back to the trailhead, and I couldn't stop the bleeding on my left knee. I decided from there on, you know, because I'm going to carry this on my knee for the rest of my life. I was like, you know what? This is just one of those things I'm going to have to learn, have to carry it with me, and, you know, this is what we're going to have to do you know once once I got that all dialed in, I was you know i I've been good with it ever since, but you know, like I say it's it's just getting used to it it's it's adding to your routine, if you will, you know it's like you you hit the door and it's like, okay, car keys, keys, phone, wallet, you know, I got to remember make sure I have my cane, and I've got a spot right there by the door where the canes are all stacked up and you know grab the primary cane and go
0: It sounds like once you did make the decision to use it, it did become an important part of your routine, but it took something pretty painful to get you to make that decision. And I think that's going to be so relatable too. There are a lot of assumptions that people make about the white cane, whether a person is blind or legally blind, or just a part of the general public with no vision disability at all. When people learn a bit about the cane. They realize, oh, it can find steps. It can find obstacles. It can tell you about the sort of environment that you're walking on. Are there other things that people might not think about in terms of how a cane is useful?
1: Yes. the And the cane can offer so, so much information. it's just, it, it's incredible. It just opens up your whole world in such a just beautiful way. But the auditory information it offers. For a lot of folks with typical hearing, the cane can offer so much information about the size of the room you're in as that tip is tapping and moving across the surface. The echoes it produces gives you so much information. Uh, The sound it makes on those different surfaces. Uh, I was walking with someone the other day and they were trying to find a specific street corner and a couple of different landmarks and their cane happened to just ping against a little metal grate which they knew was on the corner of that street and just they heard that little sound and all of a sudden it cued them right in so i think that's something people don't think about a lot is all of this the sounds and auditory information it provides and uh, different types of cane tips offer you different types of sounds as well which is a really exciting to explore
0: That's a great point. Thank you for that. Uh, Larry, how about you? Is there something that you were surprised that the cane made easier or just something that you'd never thought, oh, I didn't know a cane would do this for me or would make this particular thing easier?
2: I think the thing of it is, is I can look forward all the time, you know, so I can kind of see what's coming at me. The cane tells me what's below my waist that I cannot see can tell that, okay, there's a crack there. There's a pull box lid's been missing in the sidewalk. So rather than stepping in it, I, you know, I was able to stop post up and feel around and get around without falling. I can tell you on one hand that I've only fallen three times in five years with my cane. And before without the cane, I can't go a quarter of a mile without falling down off of something. You know, you get, you get that feedback and well, like I'm talking to you on my iPad, and I don't know if you, how I, I Apple stores are there, but here, the one that we go to all the time, it's all glass. And so, you know, if you hit the wrong aisle, you can't get out. But twice I've gone down the wrong aisle. I could sense something wasn't right, but I wasn't sure what. And when my cane hit it, I knew, you know, rather than walking into the glass and smashing up, there's a wall here. Now it's left or right. And, you know, usually by the time I have it dialed in where, which way I want to go left or right, somebody's over there to help me out. I didn't have to walk into the wall to figure out that you got to go left or you got to go right to get out the door. You know, I mean, you know, I went to a convention here a month ago at one of the casinos and, you know, it it told me that, you know, hey, you're on tile, you know, no, you're on, uh, you're on carpet, you know, and, and I was able to tell that. And then when I was on the carpet, it told me, okay, you got something in front of you you know, my cane said, Hey, you got three steps. And so, and I couldn't find a handrail. So I just, okay, one, two, three, no more steps and got to where I wanted to go. And I having the cane just, just makes it so that you understand what you're walking on or what you're walking to. And, you know, that sort of thing.
0: So for somebody who is still on the fence after listening to this, or maybe they're just struggling with the decision and is there anything that you would say to them that might make that decision a little easier one way or the other?
1: I think just that it's normal to be to be uncertain about it. And if if you're worried about the stigma of carrying a cane and what people are gonna think or or wondering how exactly you're going to use it—that's that's all normal. You know, you're you're not doing it wrong. You're not adjusting badly, or you're not a bad blind person, or or whatever it is. You know, that's totally normal to have that dilemma and and struggle with that. I think just to realize that you know we've as a society really we've we've stigmatized the cane so much and other mobility devices that that's a very real thing to to grapple with. I would say that if someone's still uncertain about whether they should use a cane they already have or, or get a cane, hear more stories. You know, you've heard Larry's amazing story today about his adjustment, and it's not always smooth. But if you talk to more and more people, it starts to normalize cane use. You start to realize, even if you feel like it, you definitely are not the only one that has been in this situation. And learn how, how other people adjusted. How did they explain to friends and family when they were suddenly walking with a cane? You know, how did they deal with those awkward interactions of of passersby on the street? Every cane user has, you know, and I think the more people can learn and and listen to those stories, the more they can picture themselves as a a successful cane user.
0: Larry, how about you? What do you wish somebody had said to you before you fell a lot of times that might have uh, sped up your decision to ultimately get a cane
2: in my case, I'm just bullheaded, so I don't. I'm not sure that anything could have been said. Honestly, I don't know. I just, I just had to come to the decision on my own. But you know, I would tell anybody that's waffling on a cane or not. Unfortunately, we're not getting any younger, and it takes a lot longer to heal. All the falls I've taken, I, I could and should have a couple broke more broken bones on my record than I have, because I didn't want to carry the cane with me and use it. I was concerned about what other people said and I realized they can't live my life. I have to live my own. And I hear it from time to time. You know, usually it's high school kids, but not always. He could see, he could see. Yeah. I can see to a point, but without my cane, I'm going to fall. And when I fall, I'm going to get hurt and I don't bounce back as quick as I used to. And the older I get, the longer it's going to take. So, and you know, you'll, you'll come to the right decision at some point. I mean, It's not an easy decision to come to, but once you come to it, it's fine. And usually once you make the decision, your family will get behind you. My family has been great about it. The grandkids either run well in front of me or they'll stop and they'll tell me that, hey, I'm here or I'm on your right or I'm on your left. They're three and six and they're telling me this, you know, so they I know not to sweep into them. You know, they'll walk beside me holding my other hand. You, You can't let pride dictate what you're going to do. You know, your your health and well-being is far more important than your pride.
0: That is so perfectly said. This has been a really, really enlightening conversation just to hear from you both sharing, you know, your wisdom and just things that you've gained with your own experiences. As we wrap up, is there any final thing that maybe we didn't cover?
1: I'll just plug uh, my field uh, as orientation mobility specialist. You know, as a, as a cane traveler, you can improve your skill. It's kind of like a sport. There's a lot of different techniques and things to perfect, and a whole host of apps and technology to help you travel and stay on route. So, if you have a rehabilitation agency um, or a state commission in your area, um, or can connect with organizations where you can talk with specialists or just experienced cane travelers, again, that's just a huge help, and and you can improve your skills. So, if you're walking with your cane and you feel like something's not quite right, it might be time to, to reach out to someone to, to get some, some more practice.
0: Yeah, love it. Thank you for that. Uh, Larry, how about you? Any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with?
2: In my case, I use the cane because I don't want to fall and I don't want to hurt myself. And while I don't have a lot of stairs around, you know, if you have a cane and you're not sure what to do and you're not sure who to call, you can always go to Hadley and look up some of their videos on getting around. You know, it's not a it's not necessarily a substitute for meeting with an O&M instructor because that's by far the best way to go. But if you've had the O&M like myself, the Hadley videos will remind you of something that you learned about, but then you don't run into all that frequently. And that's that's been great for me. But I think the big thing with the cane is it's an icebreaker. It's a communication tool. You know, I can talk to people, you know, because they realize, oh, this guy doesn't see that well. He's totally blind. And I I inform them, no, I can see I just can't. Define what I'm seeing. You know, they're curious, but they don't want to ask that question. Well, why do you have a cane if you can see? And then when you tell them that, you know, hey, I can't read the sign across the thing, I just kind of have an idea what it says. And then they understand and it's, you know, and they realize that, you know, hey, he can't see below his waist. You know, it it makes it easier the next time they run into somebody with an with a white cane, whether it's me or somebody else, they'll also understand that guy's got a problem with his eyesight, and that's why he has the cane. You know, he didn't just go to the store and buy one of those things. Somebody gave that to him because of that. Uh, He's not sitting at home uh, becoming a problem for
0: us. I love what you said about how it can be a communication tool and even an educational moment to show people that not everyone who's using a white cane is totally blind. There are times when you can see someone who's looking at something. And just the fact that there is the spectrum of vision loss, a lot of people don't know that. And the cane is a great tool to educate people on that you've both shared such wonderful information today and I really appreciate you both for joining us and I hope that for both of you and for everyone else listening it is a happy white cane safety day got something to say share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley presents or make suggestions for future episodes we'd love to hear from you send us an email at podcast at hadley.edu. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at hadley.edu. Or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.